0: Hello everybody, and welcome to Farfetched Stories. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new here, thank you for joining us. My name is Ariane Verberg, I'm your resident fantasy author, and your host on here. Last week, in episode 9 of The Raven's Toll, we entered Magoya Forest. This week, in episode 10, we'll get better acquainted with the forest and see exactly what it can do to the raven. My thanks go to Diana Moore for narrating this episode, Louisa Mitchell for text edits, and Alex Liu for providing the music. If you'd like more details about The Ravenstall, you can go to remverberg.com. For now, enjoy this episode, thank you for listening, and have a great day.
1: The Raven's Toll, Episode 10 The Descent The raven crossed his arms over his chest. He would not let the sparrow guilt him. I saved a man's life, he said. Don't tell me that wasn't the right thing to do. The sparrow said nothing. Golden fronds wrestled gently around her. I know, all right, the raven said. We swore an oath never to use our power. It's too easy to use it the wrong way but that's not what happened here. Loss was about to make peace with the Remians, and if he does that, it will help the balance. I know you feel that, too. I do, she said. So? Then I did the right thing. She sighed and beckoned for him to follow. He found himself entranced, the fabric of his imagination coming back to life in this ancient reality, a house he'd once lived in, abandoned now, wilder, lonelier. He couldn't help but go back inside. When they reached the water, he recognized the brook. This was the place the sparrow had taken him the first time, when she'd visited him in his dream. It was morning now, and mossy boulders by the side of the stream gleamed in the sunlight. Birds chirped in dark bramble branches. The two of them stood overlooking the fast-flowing water, punctuated here and there by glassy fish. When you helped Laos come to the conclusion he wanted peace, the sparrow started. That's when you acted in accordance with the balance. Her voice reverberated through the clearing. Once again, the raven felt like he was caught in a dream. This time, one solely of her making. Outside their little bubble, the squad would continue. No one particularly noticing his absence. The sparrow had a talent for atmospheres. But he had talents of his own and he'd show her. So, he said, I kept Laos alive, and he adjusted the balance, all is well. She looked at him. Do you not see? You should have stopped at guiding him. Instead, you used your power to bend life and death to your will. It won't end well. But why wouldn't it? He crossed his arms over his chest again. The skill is just a power like mag energy or a well-trained battalion of soldiers. The Covenant isn't shy about using their powers, so why are we? Because our power changes the fabric of reality, she said pointedly. We can make a thirsty man drown himself. We can make a tired heart keep on beating, she pointed a finger at him. Once you decide what path life takes, which sapling becomes a tree and which one withers away in its shade, Once you take on that power, you either need to be infallible, or you destroy everything. He picked up a pebble and flicked it into the water. No, he said. I no longer believe that. What use is a power like ours if we can never use it? Why is a bird born with wings if not to fly? The sparrow grew agitated. Knowledge is our true power, she said. A sense of what will help the balance and Thunya. We have to put that knowledge before our own desires and let the humans do with it what they will. She frowned. Turan, you know all of this. Well, maybe I can't do it anymore, he said loudly. Maybe it hurts too much. Incredulously, she turned to him. It hurts too much? You think I don't hurt? She was yelling. You think it isn't hard for me, seeing humans make mistakes? But that's part of the deal. That's what I gave up my life for. The raven turned away. Well, I'm no longer going to stand by and watch my humans suffer, he barked. I'm actually going to help them and damn the consequences. He stomped away, brusquely snapping off tree branches. Turan, stop! He could feel the net of skill she cast over him, but he was too angry. He burst through it easily, like a knife cutting through weathered ropes. Behind him, the sparrow yelled, but he didn't look back. He stormed back onto the path, halting abruptly. Kuras, still slightly ahead of the squad, looked up in confusion. "Tie," he frowned. Have you been g- gone? Just had a quick look ahead, the raven said. Everything is clear. Kauras smiled. He hesitated. I... I still meant to thank you for sitting by my side last night. If it wasn't for you, I, I... I don't know that I would have made it. He gestured around him, at a patch of purple trunk trees, their branches heavy with green flower tresses. I would have never seen this, he said, and I'd never been able to go through with... He lowered his voice. You know, our plan. The raven smiled. You're welcome, he said, friend. He expected to pick up the trail of the Remians quickly, but after hours of forging their way through the forest, there was still no sign of them. Khoras's good mood had slowly evaporated over the course of the morning. He was faltering again, his breathing labored, each step a struggle. Behind them, the squad lagged as well. Zori, who brought up the rear, was letting the utils fall farther behind, convening now and then with a few soldiers the raven recognized from the battle. The dark cloud that had hung over the squad from the beginning was slowly gathering into a storm. The raven knew they needed a win. Khoras needed a win. They had to find the Remians. He gritted his teeth as they entered another area of Magoya Forest. The trees here were denser and darker, the path narrowing to a single foot's width, They walked in single file, stumbling over tree roots that protruded from the path like the fingers of dead men. Behind him, he heard Kuras stumble and suck in his breath in pain. That's it, he thought. The skill quickened inside of him, a flame to dry kindling. He let it sweep the forest, casting it wider around him than before. Now he was not just keeping danger at bay, he was searching. On the widest rings of his web, he searched for tremors, shifts in the atmosphere, the breaths, moods, bodies of a large group of people, the Remians. He lifted his chin, tasting the air. T.A.? Unwittingly, he had stopped on the path. Kuras bumped into him. At the same time, the raven caught a whiff, an inkling of something. Come on, he barked. They aren't far. He led the way down the narrow path past thorny bushes heavy with fruit. Faster and faster they went, descending into a deep green darkness that had not been disturbed for centuries. Here, the trees grew higher and higher, vying for the little light now far above their heads. The bushes slowly disappeared. There were no birds here, no creatures of any kind, other than some luminescent moss on the trees, growing faintly in between dark trunks. The raven broke into a trot, That inkling still tugged on his mind, pulling him forward. He sped up even more, silently scorning the slow, clumsy humans that kept him from his goal. Behind him, he heard Util's curse. And Koras' breathing labored and shaky. He tried to ignore it. Once they found the Remians, Koras would thank him. The squad would understand his and Koras' true motives. Everything would be all right. A crashing sound behind him pulled him from his trance. T.A., T.A., stop! Begrudgingly, he let Kurasa's voice reach him. He halted and turned. The signal in the back of his mind was still there. It clouded his thinking, and he took seconds to process what was in front of him. One of the Contellian soldiers had tripped on the path and sprained their ankle. They hopped on one leg, supported by Zori and another util, a Zornan. Pain radiated from them like splinters lodging in the raven's mind. But the other signal was stronger. The beckoning spark of hope he'd been chasing down the path was still there. T.A., I think we need to stop, Koras whispered urgently next to him. I don't understand why we're in such a rush. The util who'd fallen was clutching their leg in pain. The others were gathering around them, pushing in between the trees and off the safety of the path. Soon they'd be in complete disarray. I need a word, in private, the raven told Khoras brusquely. He felt Zori's eyes resting on him. But T.A., now, he said, and stepped between the trees. As soon as they left the path, darkness swallowed them. The evening light far above poured over Khoras' face, emphasizing the purple circles beneath his eyes. Why, T.A., why are you pushing us so hard? Khoras repeated shoving his dark curls from his forehead. Such a human gesture. So precious. So pointless. Trust me, the raven said, skill creeping in. The Remians are close, and this squad will rebel if we give them time to think. Once we reach our goal, everything will become clear to them. But don't let it come to an argument now, or you'll lose all of your power. This is a time to push on. But I... Kuras took a deep breath that turned into a cough. He covered his mouth with both hands. The raven moved to help him, but the signal in his mind distracted him. You can do it, he said airily. All right, Kuras nodded slowly and wiped his hands on his coat. If you say so. To his credit, Kuras got the squad moving again, albeit too slowly for the raven's liking. Zori wasn't happy about it at all. My friends sprained their ankle, they protested loudly. The words were directed at Goras, but they looked straight at the raven when they said them. Their eyes almost made him waver. Almost. But he couldn't afford to tarry now. He couldn't afford to stop and think, and so they continued their harsh pace. When they stopped again, it was almost fully dark. The raven halted abruptly, blinking. Something had shifted. The signal. As suddenly as it had started, the light in his mind snuffed out. All was dark. Behind him, voices rose up in angry concern, but he paid them no mind, because in the snuffing of that flame, he'd felt something, someone, and all of a sudden, everything made sense. The sparrow was with the Remians. She did not like his use of this skill to find them so she was using her own skill in equal measure to keep them hidden. He gritted his teeth. Apparently, she did not really care how humans, his humans, suffered. Apparently, she was so petty, she'd rather be right than do right. But two could play that game, and when it came down to it, he knew he was more powerful. All he had to do was outlast her. All he had to do was help Kuras reach the Remians, and everything would be all right. Kuras stood behind him. T.A., he said firmly. Enough of this. Everyone is exhausted. We must make camp. The raven turned around, his long black hair swirling around his face, his eyes burning with an inhuman light. No, he said, the skill heavy on his tongue. No. We marched through the night.
0: Hello again. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, or you have questions or ideas about where the story is going, I would love to hear from you. You can tweet at me, I'm on Instagram, and for thoughts that won't fit into a tweet, you can also email me. And all that information you can find at remverberg.com. That is also the place to subscribe if you'd like to get email notifications for the podcast, along with news, writer musings, and some friendly banter. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode, let me know if you did, and I'll catch you for the next one in two weeks. Bye!